Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us on this episode of Nine to Thrive HR. My name is Holly Pennebaker, and I'm the manager of online programs at HCI. I'm joined here today by Chris Mason, head of talent management, learning and development, compensation, and workforce analytics at Patagonia. Welcome, Chris. Hi, welcome. So we'll start off today with a couple questions. First, using specific examples, describe the new normal landscape of performance management today at Patagonia. What are you doing differently today? Yeah, and you know, just to give us a little bit of background on that, I think I can say we were in a fairly traditional approach before we moved into our new normal. Um, things we probably are all fairly familiar with out there. Uh, we had an annual performance review in the past with uh, very specific ratings that were down to decimal point uh, numeric numbers. Um, managers actually in our past used to write the annual goals, so they'd involve employees a little bit, but it was a very manager-driven process. Write their goals. In theory, you know, some people would get together in a mid-year review, but even that was a struggle. And then we'd get as many people as we could to do some kind of annual review that then led into conversations uh, at a more senior level where they'd calibrate on those specific decimal points. And then they'd move on and calibrate again around rewards and bonuses. So it was timely, or it was, it was it cost a lot of time, it took a lot of time, and, uh, and it was very manager-driven and very top-down. And what we wanted to move towards was a much more agile approach, a much more employee-driven approach, um, and what we like to call a regenerative system, something that's uh, continuous uh, over time and continues to help people build and improve their performance. And so the new normal for us is we start off at the beginning of the year very much working with employees to start thinking about uh, their goals over the next year. So we still have a yearly view or outlook uh, built into our new normal. Um, we call them yearly target goals, though, because they're high level and we still retain some aspects of the SMART goal component. We're, we're asking people to think about uh, achievable goals that are challenging and, and would inspire them, but they, they should be able to do them. And some high-level metrics to understand uh, what those goals are at the beginning of the year. The, the analogy we use is we say, what mountains are you going to climb over the next year? And what would it look like to be on top of that mountain at the end of the year? So some general metrics. But if, after that, we don't want them to get too much more specific about those yearly targets because a year's a long way away, and we're trying to drive a more agile mindset with them. And so once they've set those goals, the employee and the manager will align on them. That's their uh, high-level view to how they'll contribute for the year. And then it really moves to the employee to leverage uh, three tools that we give them to drive continuous performance and improvement and learning as well along the way. The first tool um, is a quarterly stretch goal. And we encourage employees to use those every quarter. Not everyone does, but um, most of our people will use them at least once uh, in the year at various points in the year to um, help drive their performance. And a quarterly stretch goal is modeled after um, some concepts coming out of companies like Google uh, with objectives and key results, or OKRs. And so they're very employee-driven. The employee uh, has a stretch component to them. And, and then at the end of the quarter, the employee um, simply looks at them and decides how far they got. It's not something we require them to do, but it's something we encourage them to try. They're very learning-based. Um, they're all about stretching and learning and figuring out what you can do better and, and where, you, um, where you achieved uh, more or less at the end of the quarter. And then you learn from that and you move on. 
The second tool we give people is a quarterly check-in. Um, employees could do this more often, but what we recommend, and we found this works well for us, is to stop at the end of each quarter, and in the first month of a new quarter, set up a short meeting with your manager. Typically, they just repurpose one of their existing one-on-ones with their manager, and they have a simple form that they can fill out in our um, online system that guides them through some reflective questions. What did I work on last quarter? What did I learn from that? And what's next? And then they sit down and they walk through that conversation with their manager. Their manager is very much in the role of guide and coach and supporting them as they move forward. And the manager certainly provides perspective as well and, and tells them what they see. But it's very employee-driven in the quarter. The final tool is a digital feedback uh, tool built into the same digital system that we're using for our entire approach. And it allows employees to ask for feedback anytime from anyone else on the system, which is the majority of our employees in the company. And so they can pop out of a meeting and ask for quick feedback before the next meeting, or they can finish a project and ask for feedback. Or if they want to step back and ask for a little bit broader feedback on, on behaviors and competency-like stuff, kind of mini 360 stuff, they can do that. Feedback is very short. It's, um, it's, it's 250 characters or less in feedback, um, and it's uh, and it's it's quickly delivered so that you can take it, you can learn from it, you can adjust, and you can move on. And so we have employees using all of these tools. We have some employees using only a portion of these tools, um, and we're okay with that. We don't force them to use these things because what we learn from uh, non-usage is sometimes just as valuable as what we learn from the usage. And so for these successive years here, our goal is simply to help employees see the value of these things, help them get more comfortable with these tools, and also along the way share with them what's happening with employees who do use the tools. And we do find through data that, yes, employees using any one of those three tools, quarterly stretch goals, a quarterly check-in with their manager and or feedback, it's predictive of their uh, success on their yearly goals. It's predictive of their um, realization that they um, are getting the feedback they need. It's predictive of uh, uh, ultimately some of the rewards that we give out, including our bonuses at the end of the year. And so we always tell people, why not? Can't hurt you, try them out. So that's our new approach. That's the new normal. It still anchors in some of the traditional things that we did around a, a yearly outlook um, high level, but then it adds these new agile tools in place to help employees uh, perform and grow every day. Awesome, Chris. If HR teams replace annual reviews with a more agile performance management approach, what does the new structure look like? Yeah, it's a great question. We still, because we ask people to meet on a quarterly basis, there still ends up being a quarter that hits at the end of the year. And so we, we call that last check-in a yearly check-in. And we do um, ask employees, in addition to thinking about where they ended that quarter, to take some time with their managers to think also about the entire year. And that's the one time in the year when they really reflect more broadly um, than just the last quarter on what they did over the last year, especially related to those yearly goals, those kind of high-level mountaintop goals, uh, what they learned as well, and what's coming up next. And so there's still a place for that in our approach to think high-level, but we have restructured that conversation to be very employee-driven. It, um, like the other quarterly check-in conversations, does not include a formal rating or manager review. It, what it includes, of course, is the manager providing input and thoughts and, um, and guidance around that. Uh, and they, they certainly give their perspective on, um, on accomplishments. And the closest thing we still have then to what we kind of traditionally did is the manager still asked at the end of the year two broad questions. One is, 
and the kind of the first question is, did their employee accomplish most of their goals? We, we say 75% or more of their goals. So high level, did they do most of what they set out to do last year? If so, they're probably in the bucket where they're going to share in terms of rewards alongside most other people. And that's how we anchor and get the conversation started for our um, yearly bonus process, which we still have in place. The second question we ask managers, though, is as you compare employees uh, to others around them, give us a sense on the directionality of how they contributed. Did they contribute more than most people around them? Did they contribute kind of in line with most people? Did they struggle this year and maybe contribute a little bit less? And those are the three broad buckets that you typically need anyway when you're thinking about rewards. And so we keep it very high level with managers and with employees as well. So, some, so as opposed to them having to spend the conversation arguing over is it a 3.2 this year versus a 3.1, it's high level. Did you do most of what you set out to do? And then what are some things that you did in terms of your contribution that might suggest you did more than most people. And honestly, the minority of cases, in kind of rare cases, there are people who carried the day. They really, we needed them on the team, and we might reward them more. But for most people, most of the time, they're going to share in rewards in line with most of us because they, they contributed successfully last year. And so all the manager has to worry about is, where's the ballpark? Did the person generally fall in this ballpark? And then would, in a few cases, would they recommend that we consider higher rewards for certain people? And then we go on and do more calibrations like we always did in the past later to really figure out any specific rewards such as bonuses. So that's a little bit of how things have, have changed for us. And um, you know, I think the answer is there still may be a place for some kind of um, higher level uh, view of how people are performing depending on your organization and what business cycles make sense to you. Um, we still have a yearly view to how people contributed. It makes sense to us, it works for us. But the performance approach now is much more focused on tools that people can use every single day to keep getting better, and then they're ready to have a good conversation whenever they want to step back and have that high level review. All right, and what about schedule? Do you still think there is a need for a performance review schedule that HR management follows? We think that there's a lot of flexibility now as you move forward and put some of these tools in place to find the right schedule and cadence and cycle that works for your business. So as I said, for us, it still is meaningful on a business schedule for the company to step back and ask how the company did on a yearly basis. And then that naturally flows into how did individuals contribute to the success of the company on a yearly basis. So that so it's very much the company strategy driving our continual view towards a yearly cycle. But that may not make sense for us forever. It may not make sense for other companies. And the way our tools work is there's absolutely no reason why you couldn't set a two-year outlook or a broader outlook on uh, what your goals are, even, even maybe get more broad and say, here's what my role generally is, and here's how my role is contributing to the company. And then moving into some of these more uh, agile tools like short-term goal setting, uh, check-ins that happen more frequently, and continuous feedback. So there's no reason you couldn't have a two-year cycle or, or, or even not have a cycle in a sense. Um, what I will say that we found on the, even the more agile tools is it helps us to get people wherever possible onto some similar cycles. So for us, the reason we have suggested and, and pushed towards uh, employees setting goals on a quarterly cycle and then checking in on a quarterly cycle is we find, A, that's a 
seems to be a pretty good cycle for um, much of our workforce, especially our salaried workforce. If you push them towards monthly, it's too often. If you push it back to the old six-month cycle with mid-year reviews, then they forget about things and it gets too long. So quarterly just seems to be a nice sweet spot for us at least. And then there's a lot of advantage we find in having people on the same cycle because it helps set people up to share goals. And we've seen more of that goal sharing happen because people will say, oh, you know, hey, I'm working on this thing over the next quarter. Do you want to collaborate together on a shared quarterly stretch goal? And if they were on different cycles, it would be tough to do that. However, I've seen other cycles work well with organizations. Um, I've seen the approach where uh, simply you, you tell employees you can check in whenever you want. Employees do that on various uh, cycles. And if that works well for your business, then, you know, then, then that may be may be the right way to go. We found there's some value we're still getting in tying to some yearly cycles and tying to some quarterly cycles, which are very consistent with how the business works, and getting people onto the same page. And then all we have to do is remind them, hey, now's the time to check in, um, you know, and you have some flexibility around how you and when you do that within that general cycle. Perfect. And you will go into more detail during your keynote presentation, but at a high level, how did your compensation program change within the reinvention of performance management at Patagonia? We did uh, come to a place where we realized we need to evolve and change and improve our compensation programs as we continue to change and evolve our performance programs. What I will say is we kept same whatever was already working. So we didn't just automatically say we have to change it all. And some things we were able to keep somewhat consistent, which I think helped in the transition, but also it's a, a point to say there, there are probably a lot of things that are working for you and they were working for us and there's no reason to change stuff that isn't working. So one of the things for us is we still liked our calibration process and approach around yearly bonuses. And, and it was working well where um, leaders knew how to do it. They had exercised that muscle for several years. They were coming together and having good conversations as leadership teams around who had contributed more or less and how they should shift up bonuses or not. Um, they had a pretty good idea of what good looked like and, uh, and what, uh, what over the last few years the top bonuses tended to go to reward. And so I wanted to keep that in place. What we changed, though, is to get them started on that process over the last few years, we had used the annual performance review score. And we had used that as the initial anchor starting point to help people have those conversations. So if they had a 3.2 performance review score, um, we might suggest a, a starting recommended bonus of 80% of their target bonus. If it was a 3.3, it might be 82%. It was like, so that's how we, we did it. We had it tied very, you know, exactly to the performance review. But we never required that that was the final result. It went into conversations, and there was some thought and judgment put into that in calibration discussions. In practice, many people stayed the same, but there were people who shifted off of that. Well, as a result, it was honestly not helpful that we were that precise with the performance review score anyway. So this allowed us, um, I think, a good opportunity to move away from what I called sort of false precision with that performance review score to a more general approach where we start with managers simply looking and reflecting back on the yearly goals that people set and saying, in general, do they accomplish most of their goals? And if they accomplish 75% or more of their goals, then we say they're in the ballpark with most of us for bonuses. And most people at the end of the year and over the last many years have received somewhere between 75 and 100% of their target bonus. And so the managers start off anchoring in goals, anchoring in performance, but instead of getting overly precise down to a, a number that they have to calibrate on and argue over only to go on and calibrate on bonus later, they 
just start with the ballpark. And then they give us the direction. They say, this person I think maybe should deserve a little more than others. This person maybe a little less. This person the same. Then that moves into the process we had before with bonuses where people um, at various leadership levels come together and have discussions and calibrate and refine those bonuses down to the exact amount, looking at people um, in grouping so that we can be fair and make sure that if we're giving somebody more than most, it was because they really contributed more than most people. So we kept part of it the same, but removed the parts that weren't working for us, that were honestly not needed to do the bonus process. And we knew through our other research from kind of the latest stuff in neuroscience, from the stuff around growth mindset, from the stuff we're seeing as best practice out there, that the performance review rating was simply becoming the big elephant in the room in those performance conversations with employees. By removing that, now they can have richer, more development-based conversations, but they can still talk high level around their contribution, um, but it doesn't become the big distraction in the room. So we, we kept a lot the same, but we obviously had to evolve aspects of our bonus process. The only other thing I'll hint at is this did lead to a bigger change with our base pay. And the big change we've made is we've said, let's do base pay at a different point in time than the year-end cycle. Let's get away from a traditional merit process. And instead, we, we do base pay at two other points in the year that are different than the year-end time. And so they're not thinking about bonus and base pay at the same time. We've split the two. And bonus now can really be a conversation about your contribution just over the last year to the success of the company. Base pay now is a cleaner conversation where leaders calibrate and discuss skill levels, skills and expertise within the role compared to anyone else on the market. And we identify our people who are the top experts, who are in the middle, and who are um, a little bit more on the, the base or beginner side in terms of skill and expertise compared to the market out there. And then we adjust their pay accordingly. So if they really are one of the top experts on the market in their job, one of the best there is at what they do, we'll pay them a little bit more. If they're more like a beginner, we're happy if they're paid a little bit less. And so now the adjustments become more based on your enduring contribution to the company and, you, and the skills and expertise you bring to your role compared to the market, which is what we were always really using to make base pay decisions anyway. Now it's cleaner. Now it's not uh, confounded by just a look at what you did last year. It's a broader view. That helped a ton to split the two out. It cleaned up our whole process. It cleaned up the way we do performance now. And it's all about all the more reason why you should use our agile performance tools to continue to con contribute, but also they're really good at helping you learn and grow new skills over time and grow your marketability, which can ultimately affect your base pay. All right, so hopefully that's a little bit of a teaser on how we're doing pay, and we can talk more in the larger presentation. But that was a key change for us is, is changing pay to fit our new performance approach. Well, thank you so much for a great conversation, Chris. Thanks so much for having me. We will continue this conversation at HCI's 2017 Performance Management Innovation Conference in Chicago. We'd also like to thank all of you for tuning in and encourage you to subscribe to this podcast if you enjoyed what you heard. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Smart Radio, and on the YouTube channel HCI Talent. Last, one more big thank you to Chris for enlightening our listeners. If you are interested in learning more about what we discussed in today's episode, you can find more resources at hci.org. For 9 to Thrive HR and all of us at HCI, thank you for listening.